Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Chiluminati Podcast, episode 105. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Mike Martin, joined by two co-hosts, Jesse Cox and Alex Fasciani, the Ronto Rap brothers Hi. themselves. You want to hear my Ronto Rap? Oh, yeah. Can I get a Ronto Rap from you, please? Yeah. A Ronto Rap is the thing to eat, but when you want to contribute to a Patreon, go to patreon.com slash Pod. It's not odd. It's God-like, that is, to do it because it keeps the lights on. Dog. What do you think? Yeah, no, I'm not. Mm, mm. Somebody, you know what? You guys probably can't hear it, but somebody out there will put that to a beat and it'll blow your minds. Your kids are going to love it. (laughs) No, they won't. No, especially the kids. Patreon.com slash Illuminati pod. This is your cousin, Patreon.com slash Chiluminati Pod. You know that new goal you've been looking for? <laughs> you can't see, but he's handing us the phone, everybody. Thank you so much. Through the webcam. And it, but it's uh, not actually a phone. Don't be fooled. It's just my knuckles. Yeah, we're actually like, seriously, if you guys are ever thinking about contributing, we're actually really close to our first big major stretch goal uh, of that 10,000 a month. Making uh, me believe. Yeah. You're making Jesse believe and also getting like an actual ghost hunt set up at some point in the near future and getting that all taken care of, which would be super fun. Where are we going to go? Where are we hunting? I think ghost would be the easiest because ghost is going to be the easiest to get legal because I'm not going anywhere. We're not supposed to be. What do you mean ghost? What are you talking about? Like legally be able to go investigate a supposedly haunted house. There's a lot of haunted places that are like... If you'd like to do an investigation, please yes. let us know. We have to buy. Like, are we gonna have to buy equipment? Well, I've got a good chunk I, of ghost hunting equipment. You know, equipment you might just be youth. on a podcast you, with some people who take this shit. You have ghost hunting equipment. Get out! I do. Out. I, I had. I, I had some out. ghost hunting equipment from my like teen years. Get out! Uh, I'll also, I'll also like an float. EMF reader. Uh, obviously, the tape record uh, thing. I'll also you know, float all, to all you, Jesse, that as a r- professional in your field, you too probably have some ghost hunting equipment in your very. No. In your very office. <laughs> I have microphones and stuff, but no ghost hunting equipment. Bingo. You've got ghost hunting no, equipment. You're gonna Congrats. record an EVP. I'm not gonna re- I'm not gonna record because it's not gonna happen. I will, we got that. I will gladly go into a room by myself and Murder. you know what's gonna happen? Is nothing's gonna happen, and then I'm gonna come out and be like, I am Melzacor. <laughs> I'm gonna like, run his body. <laughs> Alex is yeah, just you guys will be like, oh no, and I'll be like, I'm just kidding, it's me. <laughs> well, we got that sick Ouija board as well that we're going to have to use on the hunt Dude, as it well. Is, so. It has such a like rugged, handmade, like badass, like I want to drink whiskey cool. off of it kind Did of quality to it. you see the Ouija board? I did see the Ouija board. I retweeted that off the Chiluminati podcast uh, account. It was did great. Did you tweet it and did you say, Mamma Mia? I should have, but I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Uh all right. Well, before we get into the topic, I just want to say, boys, today's episode almost didn't happen. I almost derailed and this almost became an insane alien what? episode in the last minute. But we're going to save that for the mini-sode because did you see about the NFT being sold? This was a last week story, but the NFT being sold of the alien autopsy supposed piece of 1943 actual film. We'll talk about it in the mini-sode, but this sent me down such a huge How fucking rabbit hole. How is that an hole. NFT? Isn't because that just the, the guy who has it, T? Ray Santilli? Has <laughs> what does this stand took, for? He I'm took sorry, a picture his name of it. is Ray Santilli's? Yeah. <laughs> is he yes. in Rogue Squadron? Is he, yeah, <laughs> no, but he should about? be. Ray we'll, we'll, Santilli's? We'll talk. Don't, don't do this. Not now. We'll do this in the minisode. But he's selling an NFT and he's, Gomino, he's going to give the person who buys it uh, the actual <laughs> film, uh, like physically shipped to them. And he's like going to give the them the alien's liver. Come with the me. Starting bid is like four hundred ETH, like a million dollars. Set us off. Four hundred Ethereum for that. Yeah, four hundred fifty. I think was the starting bid. Oh my god, that is yeah. If you, Jesse's lost to Star Wars right now. Whoever buys that listens to this. It's possible about it because it's possible. Led me down the rabbit hole of the twenty nineteen like memo leak that Robert Bigelow came across that. But apparently the CIA completely believed that the film was real and all this shit. Like, we'll talk about it. That's what happened. But we're not doing that today. We're today. We're not doing the cult either. We need I need another week to prep for that or so. Today, we're finally doing a cryptid that we've hinted at, even touched on in episode two. If you can remember all that all those years ago now at this point uh-huh. today, we're going to cover properly the Wendigo. Excellent. Now. I know you two have a uh, knowledge of what Wendigos are simply for their uh, appearance in Until Dawn. Obviously, yes. We are Wendigo experts. 
Wendigo experts. So I'm excited to cover this with you guys and all about uh, cryptids that may or may not be attached to the Wendigo. If you have not played Until Dawn, do not have listened to what we just said. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that checks out. Yeah. It checks out. Yeah, that's right. It it's out. old enough. It's old enough. Yeah, you passed that's it. what I thought too. You know, because uh, okay. Anyway, you passed it. It's not you. It's me. Test. It's fine. Exactly. <laughs> the Wendigo, which comes uh, the English word, which actually comes from the and I'm, there's a lot of like n- like um, native names that I'm going to fuck wicked bad, really bad. So the English word comes from the Ojibwe word Wendigo. Also, Witikau in Cree and Wetiko in other languages is a terrifying being that exists both in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm that exists to torture and to feed. The most common accepted version of the Wendigo is one that is neither spiritual or physical, but is able to possess the body of a living person. Once possessed, the now helpless victim is subjected to urges of insatiable hunger with an overwhelming desire to consume human flesh in particular. The most recent pop culture depictions that I can that I was able to find was obviously Until Dawn, like we just mentioned, but they're also in Fallout 76, where you can go find them out in the Appalachian Mountains, which we'll actually talk a little bit about later in the episode. Um, if you haven't played it Until Dawn, go play it. It's great. It's really good. That's not that big of a spoiler for the game. No. And also, uh, if you read uh, BPRD, there's a there's a uh, when to go in that too. That's the What's Hellboy. BPRD? It's the Hellboy oh. verse. Oh, okay, cool. I didn't know that there's a Hellboy verse, dude. Dude, Hellboy is the best. I don't want to get on a tangent right now, but if you didn't know and you have a no fear of opening a comic book, you're in for some real shit if you go check out Hellboy. And you can find it at patreon.com slash Pod. (laughs) Asterisk, no, no. (laughs) Uh. So originating from the traditional belief system of a number of Algonquin speaking peoples, including the Ojibwe, as we said, the Saltu, Cree, Niscopi, and the Inu, the physical description can vary a little bit, but the most common description of their physical body is the following, quote, the Wendigo has a gaunt to the point of emaciation, its desiccated skin pulled tightly over its bones, with its bones pushing out against its skin, its complexion, the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets. The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody, unclean and suffering from suppuration of the flesh. The Wendigo gave off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition of death and corruption. This sounds a little bit like me after Coachella, like (laughs) the littlest (laughs) bit. You've gone to Coachella? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm from here. Yeah. Yeah, I've never, I've never gone to, I've never gone to Coachella. Um, probably surprising nobody. You should. You think I would? You think I'm a Coachella guy? You think I could go to Coachella and be it, like, this is a good time? I, aside from the like overbearing like capitalism, like Hollywood elite element of it, like it's almost like Burning Man. Like right, you know, right. there's that element. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And if you yeah, don't like fun. going to the bathroom in clean facilities, then you're gonna love it. I've only ever been to two concerts in my entire life, so it would be an experience. Oh, my uh, God. Yes, it would. That's a no for me immediately. This is well, this will be our movie no? about uh, where we realize that our halcyon days are behind us and uh, we just wrap it up and go home so from Coachella I, early and any, have a better time golfing. Any bad bathroom situations. One time oh, no. in Poland, I went to like a club. <laughs> it was worse than Alex falling in, in, in the bathroom. You guys want to hear that oh, story? Oh, my God. I... I like how to use the bathroom. The floor is covered in a layer of I'm going to pray was water. I like it wasn't it wasn't a number one situation. It was a number two. I was like bad all around. I like had to hold my pants up so you didn't get in the like (laughs) inch and a half of quote unquote water. And then I went to go look (laughs) for toilet paper. There was no toilet paper. So I had to waddle my ass around this bathroom. We're like drug dealers are moving in and out, like doing their thing. It was the worst. I got home that night, took the longest. I like scrubbed myself down like I was in a hazmat (laughs) situation. I was like, I don't want that. It sucks. It sucks. That sounds not good. I couldn't do that. Never mind. I don't want to go to Coachella anymore. You can tell we're old because our whole like the way we relate to traveling around the world now is just by what the bathrooms are like. McDonald's is a very nice bathroom. Oh my gosh! Yes, the one on Manhattan Beach Boulevard. It's beautiful in there. They take good care of it. It's good American uh. cheese. I don't care what you say. It's better than the rest of the McDonald's. <laughs> okay. 
right, we're going to continue to talk about the Wendigo gentleman. So yes, right, yes. right, 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 right. The Wendigo, or the person suffering from Wendigo possession, as mentioned, is insatiably hungry. However, this hunger serves a purpose beyond destruction, fear, and cannibalism. You see, in some of the Algonquin-speaking cultures, the belief is that the Wendigo also grows in size as it devours its meals, usually in proportion to the meal, the size of the meal that they just ate. In turn, a lot of Wendigo sightings are those that are, are of rather giant people compared to humans, however, equally as thin and emaciated as ever, representing their never-ending uh, hunger for flesh. So the, the Slenderman thing isn't like a uh, modern addition to the Wendigo look. That's like part of the vibe. Yeah, he's always been a little on the bigger side, always gaunt, you know, extremely tall. I always see him kind of like really long torso, really long, big floppy arms kind of thing, kind of like Jack yeah, Skellington that's, that, vibes. That's that's a, it's a good a good idea to like in in your mind how how they look. Yeah, and the and in the Wendigo is foreseeably uh, and the Wendigo is foreseeably obviously tied to gluttony, greed, and excess. Though perhaps, uh, though perhaps surprisingly, the Wendigo can also, amidst all of it, communicate. Hmm. Um, you like see, the zombies some, from Day of the Dead when they like kind of start. Yeah, I didn't. Yes. I, wait, zombies in Day yeah. of the Day of the Dead? They kind of like yeah. They, they like, kind of like start to do things again. Yeah. Oh, okay. I knew that happened in the art. Have you guys seen Army of the Dead yet? No, no, I have I not. I heard it was not great, but I, I'd, uh, I'd have fun. I'd watch it just for that crazy dude, Tig Dataro situation. You got to watch The Conjuring 3. I'm sold it's, on that. I'm watching that for so, sure. It's so bad. It's great. Are the Warrens like, in it again? Oh, yes. It's okay. now the Warren like multiverse, basically. I'm, like that's how I hate that. Dude, I hate she gets that. like she has like superpowers. Like she can just like psychically see shit now. And they like it's make wild. money off of those movies, right? Aren't they dead? They're both dead. Are they? I'm pretty sure they are both dead now. Somebody let us know. Write in. Hey, the Warrens, if you guys are alive, write us, write us. Let us know you're still alive. Like Mark Twain. They're a bunch of hack frauds anyway, but the movies are really good. (laughs) And I can write now. (laughs) Yeah, we're dead. Leave us alone, idiot. That's true. That's true. Dude, if they did, though. (laughs) (laughs) What if, though? Uh, Dude, what if they did write us back? All right. I'm sorry. I'm out. I'm all over the shop today. I don't know what's going on. It's fine. This is a good time. So, uh, surprisingly, though, the Wendigo in in lore can communicate, not just in grunts and nods, but in full-on use of language. And we've got a folkloric story here, and this folkloric story was gathered by Lottie Chickaqua Marsden, I hope I pronounced that right, who is uh, is an ethnographer, or was an ethnographer of the Chippewas of Rama First Nation, and the... uh, uh, Wendigo fully capable. This this particular Wendigo in the story is also fully capable of using tools. Uh, let me give you a quick read of this. One time long ago, a big Wendigo stole an Indian boy, but the boy was too thin, so the Wendigo didn't eat him up right away. But he traveled with the Indian boy, waiting for him till he got fat. The Wendigo had a knife, and he'd cut the boy on the hand to see if he was fat enough to eat. But the boy didn't get fat. They traveled too much. One day, they came upon an Indian village, and the Wendigo sent the boy to the Indian village to get some things from, uh, for him to eat. He just gave the boy so much time to go there and back. The boy told the Indians that the Wendigo was near them, and showed them his hand where the Wendigo cut him to see if he was fat enough to eat. They heard the Wendigo calling the boy. He said to the boy, hurry up, don't tell lies to those Indians. All of these Indians went to where the Wendigo was and cut off his legs. They went back again to see if he was dead. He wasn't dead. He was eating the juice, the marrow from inside the bones of his legs that were cut off. The Indians asked the Wendigo if there was any fat on them. He said, you bet there is. I have eaten lots of Indians. No wonder they are fat. The Indians then killed him and cut him into pieces. The end of this giant Wendigo. That's that's a folkloric story that was pulled. This guy seemed like pretty chill for like, he's like, are you here to kill me? Good, because I'm going to eat the... He's slurping out the marrow of his own bone leg bones that while he was waiting for him. He's like, oh, that's yeah. uh, that's uh, that's some next level. Like I, I at that point, like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> that's like when you're you think about like, am I out on the ocean? And I and like if I'm stuck on a raft, like, can I just like keep peeing into a thing and filtering my own pee and just drink the pee over and over again? Like, is that fine? I mean. If you have what are you talking about, like if you had a life straw, like one of those straws, you are could you talking just about the, the movie Waterworld. 
Yeah. No, okay. In the movie Waterworld, at least he has like a professor from Gilligan style apparatus that he like puts. It like it comes through. out white at the end. He's yeah. like, oh, oh it comes out white. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen Waterworld. Is it good? <laughs> uh, Waterworld is like a like a seven out of. T- I don't know. I like I like it, but I think Water it's just because I. Is, uh, <laughs> it's like because I was movie. a kid when I watched it, and the stunt show is incredible at Universal Studios. Oh man, uh, wild. Okay, well, good to know. I guess it's. I guess have to go not, to Universal Studios too. Fine, done. Yeah, done. I guess it's like. I mean, I, I know, similar, similar idea. I mean, he's slurping up the fat he already ate through his own leg bones. So slurping I, up the fat. If you were a wet to go and you were starving to death, would you eat yourself? <laughs> I know I would. I know I would. Wow, what a callback uh, to. Like the terrible sketch on uh, another guy's impression of another guy. <laughs> Shout out to Will Ferrell and Harry Carey, you guys. Yeah, if you remember Harry Carey, nailed it. Nailed it. (laughs) Somewhere there's a dad who's dying of laughter. He's like, he's "Ah, like, I'm the Venn diagram for this joke. (laughs) (laughs) I like old SNL and cryptids. (laughs) (laughs) God. Uh, All right. Moving forward, gentlemen. So while while this creature is, you know, for the most part, accepted as merely a folkloric creature. There are a couple of recorded cases of potential Wendigo possession with the potential cure to one who may become possessed. Wait, of a Wendigo. So wait, so how do Wendigo? So I thought Wendigos were monsters, not possession things. They're it's both. like they are. They can do both. So they are physically existent creatures that can also possess people and then turn them into Wendigos. It really depends on the story and kind of how you're applying them. They kind of move back and forth between spiritual and physical. I think the idea is like, they just are a cycle of this, right? Like more or less, this they're a spirit that's evil. Some kind of like analog for like a demon. Yeah. Like in my research and trying to find like the origin of these things beyond just the stories that they come from, they really are like, they are their stories of these physical monsters and their stories of the possessions happening. They are, they seem to be able to do both. So we're going to talk about some possession uh, cases here. Uh, just a couple. They're very quick blurbs. They're not like huge details or anything. Although in many recorded cases, the individual has been killed to prevent cannibalism from resulting. Some Cree folklore recommends treatment by ingestion of fatty animal meats or drinking animal grease. Those treated may sometimes vomit ice as part of the curing process. That's what I was going to ask is like, is there a snow elements to the they Wendigo? are associated with cold famine disease death and a few other like gluttony uh excess and whatnot because i don't know and if yeah, it's this like an like american only- i don't know if it's like a you know a, a, an americanization of it but there's some sort of association between like a wendigo and like uh, abominable like snowman yeti type creature yeah, is that they- accurate yeah, they are. They are again. They are very much attached to cold, and I I do wonder if that's because cold tends to bring famine or tends to bring like less crops. It's and a stuff brutal, and that, yeah, yeah. Like it's very possible. Again, we don't really know. It's all it's all just folkloric stories that we really have. So here's a couple of recorded cases um, of this. One of the more famous cases of Wendigo possession report uh, reported involved a Plains Cree trapper from Al- uh, Alberta named Swift Runner. During the winter of 1878, Swift Runner and his family were starving and his eldest son had died. 25 miles away from where emergency food supplies could be found at Hudson's Bay Company Post, Swift Runner butchered and ate his wife and five remaining children. Whoa! Given that he resorted to cannibalism so near to food supplies and that he killed and consumed the remains of all those present, it was revealed that Swift Runner's was, uh, was not a case of pure cannibalism as a last resort to avoid starvation, but rather a man with Wendigo possession. He eventually confessed and was executed by authorities at Fort Saskatchewan. He confessed. He was like, I'm a Wendigo. You got me. Yeah. So they called it back then Wendigo psychosis, but that's a word that is highly frowned upon for reasons we're going to go into after we read these things. Okay. Um, But yes, he, he admitted to Wendigo, Wendigo possession or Wendigo psychosis. What the hell? Um, Yeah. We'll talk about that in a second. Another well-known case involving supposed Wendigo possession was that of Jack Fiddler, an OG Cree chief and medicine man known for his powers at defeating Wendigos. In some cases, this entailed killing people with the Wendigo. As a result, what? in 1907, Fiddler and his brother Joseph were arrested by the Canadian authorities for homicide. 
Jack committed suicide, but Joseph was tried and sentenced to life prison. He was ultimately, uh, he ultimately was granted a pardon, but died three days later in jail before receiving the news of his pardon. So he was a, a cure. And like, like I said earlier, a lot of the ways that they tried to stop Wendigo possession is by killing the person before they could become cannibalistic. And so if someone was believed to be Wendigo possessed or was starting to show traits of it, whether they become like, emaciated. Wait. So they killed That's, them. They just would kill them. So, all right. Let me just put this out <laughs> yeah. there. So someone who is starving to death, they're like, kill that guy. Mm-hmm. That's what you're telling me. Like if a dude's just like out in the wilderness and he's like trying to get by and he's not making it, they're like, kill that dude. That's going to be a Wendigo. Yeah. I can imagine a lot of it was like the witch trials where people would just be accused uh, of it at some, at some points. But yeah, it seemed like once you started possessing certain features, they would start just taking you out prior to you eating anybody. Now what those specific like check marks that you had to hit were, there's not really a list. We don't really know exactly what they were looking for. It's just that if you were believed to be, likely you were going to be killed or fed a lot of grease and like marrow and, and stuff. And you throw up ice. And hopefully you kind of vomit up some ice and, you know, there goes the Wendigo. Now, whether you believe in the Wendigo as an actual creature or not, obviously is up to you. But there are about as many explanations as to what, why, and how this potential mythical creature was created as there are sightings up through modern day throughout the world. I would be remiss, however, not to talk about some of these explanations. And the first I'm going to address is that it's perhaps a form of mental illness once known as Wendigo psychosis. The reason this is horribly named and why some of the scientific community just kind of pulled back on it immediately is because there's actually no scientific evidence. Obviously, such a disorder exists, but any of the uh, no one has actually properly studied, quote unquote, Wendigo psychosis. This is a term that popped up in the 80s that people were really arguing about. And some people saw it as um, racist in in a way. I agree because it was specifically attached to um, uh, indigenous people. Uh, and, and when it was kind of, you know, prescribed it's a way only, to write off their behavior, basically. Right. Correct. Yes. It was a, a way in, the, in which they wrote off its behavior, their, the people's behaviors and stuff. And it was just not a lot of people kind of like threw it out the window. And we'll talk to this a specific person and why. Uh, they they said so. But the term actually or this belief originated from the Jesuit res- relations, which was a, cro- a book of chronicles of the Jesuit missions in New France that was printed in 1632, saying the following about this type of uh, hunger, quote, what caused us greater concern was the news that met us upon entering the lake, namely that the men d- uh, deputed, deputed by our conductor for the purpose of summoning the nations to the North Sea and assigning them a rendezvous which uh, where they were to await our coming, had they'd met their deaths the previous winter in a very strange manner. Those poor men, according to the report given to us, were seized with an ailment unknown to us, but not very unusual among the people we were seeking. They are afflicted with neither lunacy, hypochondria, nor frenzy, but have a combination of all these species of disease which affects their imagination and causes them a more than canine hunger. This makes them so ravenous for human flesh that they pounce upon women, children, and even upon men like veritable werewolves and devour them voraciously without being able to appease or glut their appetite, ever seeking fresh prey. And the more greedily, the more they eat. This ailment attacks our deputies. And as death is the sole remedy among those simple people for checking such acts of murder, they were slain in order to stay the course of their madness. End quote. So that's the first mention of this kind of Wendigo-like disease of these people being possessed of this almost zombie-like kind of ravenous hunger. But again, these all he only got reports of this. He wasn't there to witness this. We don't have an eyewitness to the accounts. And the way he describes them of simple people and these people that we seek are all heavily colonizer overtones like throughout all of it. So it's hard to kind of take a lot of it seriously. And in 2004... Uh, the treaty's Revenge of the Wendigo, which was about disorders and treatments of behavioral health and of the behavioral health industry in the U.S. and Canada that were specific to indigenous people. A man by the name of James Waldrum wrote the following. No actual cases of Wendigo psychosis have ever been studied. And Lou Murano's scathing critique in 1985 should have killed off the cannibal monster within the psychiatric annals. The Wendigo, however, continues to seek revenge for this attempted scholarly execution by periodically duping unsuspected passersby, like psychiatrists, into believing that Wendigo psychosis not only exists, 
but that a psychiatrist could conceivably encounter a patient suffering from this disorder in his or her practice today. Wendigo psychosis may well be the most perfect example of the construction of an aboriginal mental disorder by the scholarly professions, and its persistence dramatically underscores how constructions of the aboriginal by these professions have, like Frankenstein's monster, taken on a life of their own. So he fucking hates the fact that this thing exists. And in 2004, in his own paper, was just like, this needs to go away. This isn't something that's that's even a thing. The fact that people are even being duped today is insane. Like there needs to be a uh, somebody needs to come forward and say this shit doesn't exist. So Wendigo psychosis is not real. Moving on to less scientific, the most popular theory, I believe, is likely that of your typical mythological creature and one that we would probably all agree with. They're a form of metaphor. As I said earlier, the Wendigo is almost always tied with cold, greed, gluttony, excess, and so on. And some Native Americans understand the Wendigo as a concept and not necessarily a person. It's a a person, idea, or movement that seems driven from the ground up towards self-aggrandizing greed and excessive consumption. Things that create chaos and destruction, if left unchecked, are said to be Wendigo-driven. One whose existence and spirit unravel the that or the ecological balance around them can also be considered possessed or driven by the Wendigo. So that's kind of like, I think, the most common belief. Like is the that green-eyed really monster is, or something, basically. Yes, right? it's just something to represent something else. Stories to tell your children or others to warn against, you know, going against nature, finding the balance, you know, focusing on you and nobody else, that kind of thing. However, the explanation I would like to go for, and the one I want to talk a little bit more about, is my favorite and by far more fun. The third one is that the Wendigo do indeed exist to an extent, but not as we tell them in these stories, at least not fully. That perhaps the Wendigo, Skinwalker, and other cryptids of similar ilk, including the ones I'm about to talk about, are all one and the same. As across the world, we see interesting and similar descriptions of creatures just like these. Hell, even here in the U.S., we have at least three different names and types of such things. Wendigo, Skinwalker, and the Not Deer. Do you two know or have heard of the Not Deer at all? I've only ever heard of them in the context of Skinwalkers. Making me look up a Not Deer. I'll keep going while you look it up. Now, the Not Deer themselves are relatively small, in my opinion, on the cryptid list, as there's not a whole lot out there about them, unlike Wendigos or Skinwalkers. And like you said, Alex, you probably have heard of them in conjunction with uh, skinwalkers. However, their descriptions are eerily similar, and plenty of people have said that they are one and the same in terms of, like, cryptid family. The not-deer are exactly as described. Deer, but not. Most commonly, they're seen among actual deer, usually only really noticeable if you take a minute to look. Their back legs bend backwards, and their faces are not quite right, sometimes with horrifyingly disfigured mouths. If you notice one... You are supposed to look away and just pretend you didn't see it. If it notices you notice it, some say that's it. You got to get out of there as fast as you can, but likely you're not going to make it out of the woods and nobody's ever going to see you again. But let me tell, let me let Tumblr user Willow the Witch explain it much better and much more entertainingly than I can. Anyone who spends decent amount of time in Appalachia knows the not deer. If you've gone on the Blue Ridge Parkway at night, you've probably seen them. Now, keep in mind, if you don't live in an area with a lot of deer, deer are freaky bastards on their own. They're really big, extremely agile, move surprisingly quietly, and are extremely durable. It's not unheard of for someone to hit a deer and total their car. Once I heard a story of a man who hit a deer on accident and decided to take it home and at least get some good meat out out of a bad situation. On the drive home, the deer woke up and absolutely shredded the inside of the man's trunk. They're very cute, but you definitely don't want to mess with one. Just keep that relationship in the back of your mind. Anyway, I was driving to uh, back from music festival one time, actually. And the other car that we were with, like, got completely like totaled off the road by a deer. Like they were like, yeah, they had to wait like three. It's a miracle. None of them died. How insane it looked like it was disturbing. Like it was like not chill. Yeah, deer are huge and they can do a lot of damage. And moose are even more so, man. Those things are fucking scary. Uh, Anyway, the not deer is more or less what I'd call a folk cryptid. Everybody has their story about it. They're all somewhat similar. Jesse's uh, plopping some things out there. It's just another article on Reddit that's about the not deer, but someone's like making a fun little book. And so they made a little not deer illustration. I think it's very cute. Oh, that's cool. It's weird, but like very cute. 
Um, they're all somewhat similar. You're in a car at night in a rural, heavily wooded area and probably a bit lost. It's not wildly uncommon to see a possum crossing the road, see blips of little animals with your headlights. You see a deer. So you, your friends go, oh, hey, a deer and slow down in case it leaps in front of you. Then you see it more clearly. There's just something wrong about it. There's something about its eyes. You feel your stomach get heavy like a rock, the hair on your neck rise. You sense intelligence that you shouldn't. It doesn't move like a deer. It moves like a thing. Whatever that thing is, it's not a deer and we need to leave. So you hit the gas and get the hell out of there. A group of my friends got lost in the parkway once and reemerged with a chilling story. They aren't the kind of folk to lie over exaggerate. Among other freaky stuff that happened, the driver claimed she saw a deer in the road. Then she noticed the deer was on two legs. Another terrifying encounter comes from only a few months ago from Reddit user ampersand.sees on a thread about not deer. This is another personal account. I lived in Waynesboro, Virginia for about five years, less than 10 miles to the BRP North Entrance, Skyline Drive South Entrance. I used to take bike rides along the SD all the time and always kept a year-long membership, only in the day though, just to frame the story. One night, I was having a particularly hard time settling in for bed, so I decided to start up the bike and ride up the first overlook on Skyline, only about a mile inside the park. It was about 11 p.m. when I got up there and pitch black. I killed the bike and got immediately uncomfortable. I'm not a guy that gets spooked in the dark. Truthfully, I prefer the dark in most situations. You can see people before they see you. You are practically invisible unless someone is looking for you, and I find the natural privacy comforting. Not up there, though. It was a thick, oppressive dark, worse than anything I'd experienced outside of a cave and worse than any moonless night in the Appalachian Trail. I immediately got hinked out big time. There's nothing up here besides wired life, I assured myself, internally. I had my 44 mag revolver from when I lived and hiked in the Pacific Northwest, bear country and all that jazz, tucked into my CCW holster, so I knew I definitely outmatched anything that could be up here. Two-legged snakes included. So I sat in the dark, leaning against the bike for a while and looking at the few lights I could see in the valley below. I managed about 10 minutes before I physically felt the hair raise on the back of my neck. I only did 27 months in Iraq, but I remembered that precise feeling. Someone was watching me. Something bad was coming. It was the same sensation I, I, I would get before IDF came in or the shooting started somewhere nearby. I'm no psychic or whatever, but it's a common thing among vets with any time under their belt. Ask them about it. You can feel hateful eyes on you. The overlook was a sheer drop or nearly so, so I wasn't concerned about anything popping up in that direction. But the mountainside and thick untamed woods were behind me. I started thinking about methed out dudes creeping the Appalachian trails, bears and the like. The AT is no stranger to random violence. Still feeling creeped out, I took up a seat on the waist high stone wall that marked the overlook ledge facing the woods. Again, I can't emphasize how dark it was, but grizz you might say. Why not turn on the bike and use the lights? It'll at least help you see what's close. True, but my bike is loud, and the last thing I wanted was attention. Plus, the light would just, uh, would just night blind me to anything just out of view, and the noise would obscure any stealthy sounding creeping going on. So no thanks, I'll watch and listen for a bit. I sat in the dark for another 10 minutes or so, anxiety getting worse and worse. I heard a few things, but nothing out of the ordinary for a night in the woods. I decided to head on home since the feeling wasn't going away. Like I said, I had a big bore on me, so anything playing games would be in for a powerful surprise if the games got stupid. Hopping onto my Suzuki, I started it up and rode off toward the gate. Now, anyone who lives in the country and rides a bike knows that wildlife is crazy active on the roads that aren't traveled often at night. Being nighttime and technically closed, I had to ride around the gate to get in. There were no other vehicles on the road at all. I hadn't seen a single other person since leaving Waynesboro proper. The speed limit was 30, but I clipped along at a measly 15 to keep an eye out for deer and wildlife. It wouldn't do, me, uh, wouldn't do me any good to fuck myself up in a wreck, only to lay there all night until someone happened to cross me in the morning. That's when I saw it. The term of almost deer is really fitting, but not quite accurate. It was like a deer that someone who had never seen a deer before drew, but only after someone else described it to them. It stood on the left side of the road, the mountainside, and I saw the eyes long before my headlight shone it fully. It was big, easily the, easily the biggest deer I'd ever seen, and the lack of any horns that time in the year suggested that it was a doe. The head was almost bovine in shape, but fixed to a deer's frame. 
The legs seemed too long in proportion to the body. Think maned wolf proportions. Oh. The body was extremely barrel chested. I've always been creeped out by malformed wildlife, and this was no exception. Unfortunately, I had to get it to move or risk passing within a few feet of it. I was not traveling another 30 plus miles up the road in the other direction to leave through the, another gate in the middle of the night, and I wasn't getting close to it. Dangers of it spooking and running into the side of my cruiser side. I didn't want to get near it at all. Stopping and putting my feet down about 30 feet away from it, I tried to frighten it away. I flashed my beams to low and back high. Nothing. I revved the engine. Nothing. I honked the considerably loud horn. Nada. Resting the bike on the kickstand, I left it idling and hopped off. I yelled at the thing and it still didn't budge. So I started to the side of the road to grab something to toss near the deer thing, hoping to spook it away. As soon as I crossed into the other lane, it rose up onto its hind legs. I froze, putting my hand on my gun. I wasn't about to get charged by an angry, confused, malformed doe. It took two jerky, unnatural steps toward the center of the lane on two legs and froze again, staring directly at me. It suddenly shook its head wildly like a dog with a toy, took another short step, then hopped on two legs several times until it disappeared into the darkness on the right side of the road. I stepped back to the bike, mounted it, kicked up the kickstand, and turned the light toward the side on that road. On that side, there was a sheer drop-off, about 75 to 80 degrees compared to the roadway, and the fucking thing's head was just peeking over the edge, still looking at me. Oh, God. Oh, God, that image of just, just the worst, dude. All I can think of is that deer in Adventure Time that, like, pulls its hooves off like gloves on his hands. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The drop-off was about 40 to 50 feet, so there's no way it was standing at the base of the mountainside. I cracked the throttle and beat the hell out of there. Road wildlife be damned. I never went back up on Skyline Drive at night alone after that. One time was enough. There are things we don't, uh, we don't, talk, about, uh, we don't talk about out there or things that just visit for, for a while. Whatever it was, it wasn't from around these parts in Hill Talk. It can go back to wherever it came from and stay there. Now, that's, now, what's true is that a lot of people tend to forget is that deer are assholes in general, but that's where that particular story ends. Do you, do you think, like when you Google Wendigo, mm-hmm. the image searches that appear, most of them are deer-like creatures, yes. not sort of like little tiny creepy you know, golem creatures. They're all bloody looking, weird, awful mm-hmm. deer. Is that because of this... Yes, I believe because I think it's more probably because of skinwalkers than not deer. Because skinwalkers, I think, are more portrayed that way. But I'm not. But it's, I mean, I guess you're. I guess you're. It's weird that that you know. Yeah, that's the association. It is weird. Literally, the reason I even went to Wendigo is because I start. I discovered the not deer, and as I was researching the not deer, I kind of traced it back to Wendigo, and I thought maybe like the origins were there. Um, it might be. I, I don't know. It's weird because like like you, the not if you Google and like do research on not deer, there's not like a wealth of knowledge on them beyond no, like not personal deer stories. Or just like deer that look strange. It's like a mm-hmm. regional variant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's an Appalachian thing, big time. But it the Wendigo in the Appalachian straight area. up are just like giant, terrifying, bipedal monsters with sort of like deer heads, but like awful looking things Mm -hmm. and then every once in a while you see like a little golem dude with a creepy smile but most of the time they have antlers and most of the time they're awful looking Mm -hmm. it's it's interesting it's very very interesting and it's such a messy history as to where these things even kind of come from there's Um, just some i think you know like there's just some version of this creature any anywhere that the people had woods around them Yeah, just because the woods are really scary and seeing things, even if there is no magic at all. Right. Like, I don't want to I don't want to think that way. But like, even if it's all completely logical, like seeing deer, deer are weird, like they seem majestic in one sense. But if you know deer for real, like they are just kind of these nasty, like, yeah, they're they're not super pleasant creatures overall. Yeah, They're kind of scary and dangerous. Have you seen Sweet Tooth yet? Either of you? No, but I've heard it's so I've good. I've not watched the show. No. It's uh it's it's super fun, but one of the like ongoing bits is Sweet Tooth is like the most innocent, sweetest, nicest child who ever lived. L- just like a cutie pie, but also half deer. And so at night in the woods, all you see are the creepiest. It looks like yep. this devil child cuz he has deer eyes. And so his eyes are like at night glow and you see like the antlers and it's terrifying and everyone's That's like a- Oh my God, that's the worst. <laughs> <And> everyone just <laughs> acknowledges how bad it is. But like, you know, 
deer are yeah. they're terrifying they're at like night. ghosts they're they're yeah, horrific if you want a fun little spooky hole to go into go into appalachian like just the woods like folklore and mythology out there because like the not deer kind of sp- come from appalachia like area specifically the not deer um but out there as well is things like the the kinds of stories that like people who live out there and if anybody's who a fan of the show actually lived in that area please tell us if we're right or wrong on the reddit or something some I'm curious, but like some of the, the things out there is like, if you are ever in the, you don't go out at night, never leave your house at night. If you live out in Appalachia, like just, you don't do it. If you, if there's something in the car that you need to go get, you wait until morning. Um, the thing, other thing is like, if you hear your name or whistling or something in the woods at night calling for you, you, you just fucking ignore it. Never acknowledge it exists. Don't respond. Don't go looking for it. Don't call out to it. Ignore it. The other one is the not deer. If you ever see a pack of deer and you just see some one of them in the pack that just looks wrong or off, we'll turn your head and move immediately. Pretend it's not there and ignore it. The other one, the last one that I remember is like if you're walking at night and you feel somebody like breathing on your neck or like whispering just behind you and like the necks and the hair go up, you do not turn around. You do not change the pace that which you're walking. You continue and you ignore almost Everything in that area is like, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. And you also have the very real concern of feral people who live out there. There's a whole, that's a whole other like topic we could talk about one day of the feral people who live out in like national parks and the woods and stuff. Have I ever, like have I ever brought Dead this Redemption. up on this? I've ever brought this up on this show that years ago, senior year of high school, myself, uh, my friend, Brian and I, we, uh, Brian is probably listening. Uh, we went out What's to, up, uh, it was like us and these two girls, and we went out camping and it was like, yeah, yeah, all right. We went out in the woods and as we like set up our tent, as night began to fall, this group of people, we were the only people in the area, by the way, this group <laughs> of people just walked up out of the woods and we're like, oh, hey y'all. And we were like, uh, and then uh, yep, they no, just looked you. this over and then we like went back into the woods and i'm all i'm gonna say is brian and i stayed in the car lights on all yep. night ready to like throw down we were it was like <laughs> oh hell no i'm not gonna go the hills have eyes it's not gonna be my death i have not been camping since i will I feel not like go I've been those guys to so many groups of campers <laughs> hey what up I've hey, never, i mean up, like guys? it was it was so weird it isn't like there was there was no other cars around they just walked up looked at us and instead of continuing on, turn back into the forest. I was yeah, no, like, thank you, dude. There's, no, part thank of that, you. Like, again, going into that Appalachia hole that I was in, apparently there are parts of like that, that place that you just don't go to because they belong to certain families and they're fa- like very, apparently like very There's inbred also a lot families. Of, like hard drug creation in that oh, area yeah. too. Oh, it's, just fa- it's a fascinating extra little rabbit hole to go down. If anybody wants yeah. to spook themselves out about that spot, it's creepy, dude. Oh my um, God. What I know it's f- great. It, it was such the a woods are fucked into. up, man. What the yeah, f- man? It's and yeah, yeah. No, it's and that's the reason the people who listen to our four one one episodes hate us because <laughs> we talk about this stuff, but we we explain away four one one as like nature doing its thing. I, I mean, but think believe. about it, right? That's even more trippy. Yeah. Like, I think people who yeah. aren't impressed with nature's creepiness as an explanation aren't thinking about nature the right way. Like, right. Yeah. think about trees. And think about like that situation, like remote treed forest and think about like the middle of the ocean and how more than just being scared for your safety. There's like an overwhelmingly just oppressive deadliness to the feeling. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to be out there. That's the woods. It it has the same feeling. You're right. Because like you, it's so easy to get lost in the woods. Then you don't know where left from right, north from south. Unless you have the break. Was literally swallowed by a whale this past week. Yeah, almost insane. Uh, I mean, like, I hope we, are we talk about that on Minisode. We should. I mean, okay, it's just crazy that that yeah. like <laughs> nature's scary, y'all. Yeah, it, yeah, man, <laughs> things are scary out there. It doesn't um, need to be like magical to be scary. Like, there's plenty exactly. of fucked up shit out there. You should be scared when you're in nature all the time. I'm gonna scare you right now with what these possible not deer could be suffering. People at least to a certain degree. So as I said, deer are typically assholes. And as the stories have, you know, deer are just mean creatures. A lot of the time, very territorial, very creepy and dirty and weird. Um, But moreover, as deer acting strange can be the deer acting strange in that manner can also be a sign of something not paranormal, but medical deer tend to suffer from something known as 
chronic wasting disease. I think you two probably know what they're at least have somewhat heard of chronic wasting disease, but is that the one with all the things that grow on the deer? No, that's something else. Um, The symptoms are convincingly on par with not deer. Certain things don't fully line up. Um, But first though, what chronic wasting disease is chronic wasting disease, sometimes called zombie deer disease is a transmissible spongiform encephalopathy TSE uh, affecting the deer. TSEs are a family of diseases thought to be caused by misfolded proteins called prions and include similar diseases such as BSE, mad cow disease, uh, in cattle, uh, Kreutzfeldt-Jacobs disease in humans, and scrappy in sheep. In the U.S., CWD affects mule deer, white-tailed deer, red deer, sika deer, elk, caribou, and moose. Natural infection causing CWD affects members of the deer family. Experimental uh, transmission of CWD to other species such as squirrel and monkeys Squirrel monkeys and genetically modified mice has also been shown. The symptoms include, in most cases of CWD, occur in adult animals. The youngest animal to exhibit clinical symptoms of the disease was 15 months. The disease is progressive and always fatal. The first signs are difficulties in movement. The most obvious and consistent clinical sign of CWD is weight loss over time. Behavioral changes also occur in the majority of cases, including decreased interactions with other animals, listlessness, lowering of the head, tremors, repeat repetitive walking and set patterns and nervousness. That sounds like me. Ex- <laughs> sounds like me trying Ex- to stay fit in COVID. <laughs> Excessive salivation and grinding of the teeth are also observed. Most deer show increased drinking and urination. The increased drinking and salivation uh, may contribute to the spread of the disease as well. Loss of fear of humans and appearance of confusion is also common. So, Um, Behavioral changes also include emaciation, weakness, ataxia, which is the loss of motor functions and twitchy movements, um, salivation, aspiration, pneumonia, and progressive death. So when you look at chronic wasting disease and put it up against not deer and the so on, there's a lot that falls in line. Well, the only thing that doesn't really fall in line is the backwards leg thing, the way that the legs aren't exactly right. And a lot of not deer are seen with all kinds of other deer. They're usually trying to blend in and camouflage with the pack. But we can also take that and say that might just be folkloric interpretations or stretches of the truth. And in reality, chronic wasting disease could contribute and probably does contribute to a lot of quote unquote not deer sightings over the past however long because they move twitchily. They get confused. They're not afraid of humans anymore. All these things that lead to the supposed one-on-one not deer encounters. And I think that's also important to put out there because as, as Alex is also saying, like nature and science can be a lot fucking scarier than like, mm-hmm. or because chronic wasting disease, I think can, there's like something I remember reading on Twitter, a big thread about how it's potentially coming over to humans or there's a version of it in the humans. I don't know if that's Kurtzfield Jacob disease or not. I didn't really do much checking on that. Really? Um, yeah. But like, that's like a prion, a prion, mis, a misfolded prion or whatever is not. Uh, that's something that's like across nature that is hap- that's happening. Now, there is no scientific evidence to show that like the deer can pass it to the human yet. I, there's no there's been no um, recorded events of that happening. However, who fucking knows what what the future holds? Right. Um, wow. But that's scarier yeah. than anything else. Yeah. But with that last scientific explanation, that's going to bring a close onto the Wendigo slash not deer chapter of this cryptid particular deep dive. Um, as, as said, like, if you guys want to go out there and look in, into Wendigos and not deer, there's a lot of fun stories out there. There's not a whole lot in terms of like actual, like where these things come from far the Wendigos. I, I particularly think I lean more in the metaphor world, but I do like the idea of like the not deer and the skinwalkers and the Wendigos all being kind of this one creature that people just see multiple of there is something man like i don't know i don't know why i buy the not deer element i don't know why i buy the wendigo I, you know the mythical element of it i don't know i don't know like what the truth is there but like in terms of it being real like culturally i'm not trying to deny anybody's culture i'm just saying like right, right. is it a real creature i think maybe it is a real creature but i don't know the origin of that creature you know what i mean i think maybe there is something that people see out in the woods that's explains all these things the bigfoots the 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 wendigos the nod deers the skinwalkers there's too many 
It's it's all it's too similar. Out in Germany, I barely touched on this, but in my in my research out in Germany, there's something similar that are like seen as shapeshifters. Yeah, uh, that kind of like stalk the woods and you know kill maybe, people. Maybe the stuff. answer is human brains. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe but like, yeah. Maybe it's like something yeah, natural that we like. Cut, uh, you know, part of our instincts in, in some way yeah. manifesting in our culture, but like. Man, it is it is something about especially the not deer, something about seeing a group of deer and seeing oh, one of God. the deer or just or just putting it past the deer to act weird like that. I see it. If you've ever run into a deer in real life, oh, you yeah. can you know what I'm talking about. Deer are weird creatures and creepy to watch at night. Very creepy. They're creatures too big to be that dumb. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know I, what I mean, they're yeah, just yeah, too big you know, to be like you? dumb. Like people see them walking on two legs and stuff. And I'm like, what's up with that? What's going on there? <laughs> what? They're not deer. That's why. Yeah, they're not exactly. Deer. I, the, the, the thing that I walk away from this whole episode from is just that image of that guy's story of the deer's face, just peering over the ledge. If they're doing fucking weird two legged hops. And that's why and those images, those, those, when you Google search, those are so creepy. Cause you know, they're always like tall on their hind legs, yep. like skinny demons. It's interesting. It is. Well, thank you, boys, for coming along with me on this cryptid deep dive. Uh, we got more coming for the next couple weeks, I think, are going to be Alex focused, and then we'll be doing our cult deep dive after that. So we got a lot of stuff uh, coming up for you guys. Um, if you guys are interested in merch, head over to the eddie.com slash collection slash Illuminati. We've got a brand new cryptid shirt about to hit the stores, um, as well as all the posters being over there. And we've got a new pin that's being in the works. Uh, grab what you can because things tend to sell out really quickly once they hit. Um, so if you want some merch, grab it. And uh, also, as Jesse tends to say, maybe think about keeping the end of October if you're in the L.A. area or want to come to the L.A. area. It's yeah. getting real, folks. Know. Maybe that last maybe that last week. It's getting yeah, that, real, that folks. Last week, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's like, I don't real. know, like the 26th-ish. Patreon.com. Maybe. Maybe. Somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. Yeah. I can't wait. Thank yeah. you guys so much for doing this with us uh, and coming along for this ride after over 100 episodes. We're off to go do a mini-sode for Patreon. So thank you guys so much for watching. We love you. Goodbye. Thanks. Anyway, me and my wife were sitting outside indulging on our porch one night, enjoying ourselves. I needed to go to the bathroom, so I stepped back inside, and after a few moments, I hear my wife go, Holy shit, get out here. So I quickly dash back outside, and she's looking up at the sky in awe. I look up too, and there's a perfect line of dozen lights traveling across the sky.